Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. You can get out your Bibles. Let's get out our Bibles or your Bible app, and let's turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And today we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 1. That's where we're going to be at today. And what we're doing is continuing in our study of the book of Revelation. Um, The book of Revelation, we've already kind of talked about this, but it, it begins with Jesus writing seven letters to seven different churches. And every one of these churches has a specific issue or multiple issues that they're going through that Jesus wants to address. So far we've looked at, I don't know, first week a busy church and that busy church had lost its first love and then we looked at a strong church and it was going through persecution. We saw a church that had compromised. We saw a church that hates sin and I believe as we're going through all of these churches we're each going to say that we recognize these churches. Maybe you've been a part of one of these churches and these churches all have issues and there's different things going on and we're going to look at a church today and it's no different. Today we're looking at a church in the city of Sardis and the issue with the church in Sardis is that it is a dying church. Now the thing about a dying church is death to a church does not come on dramatically. It often is a slow kind of death and the reality is dead and dying churches are everywhere in the city, in the region of the United States that we live in and call it the new urban south. You're all aware of this. You cannot drive more than five miles in any direction in our city without seeing a dead or a dying church that might be on life support. And as you're driving around our town, you will notice that some of the churches that are dead, I tried to think on this, and I, did think, I was thinking on this, some of the churches that have already died, they have been turned into social venues. Honestly, there's some churches that have died that have been turned into homes, And other churches that are dead in our city, maybe they're just run down. Maybe they have a tree growing out of them. But then there's also dying churches in our city. You've driven by them, and you've seen them. No one's ever going into these churches. No one's ever coming out of these churches. No one's ever getting saved in these churches. No one's ever getting baptized in these churches. Nothing is happening at all. And it's not really just our city. The reality is, and I was looking at this, In the U.S. alone, about 3,500, 3,500 churches die or close every year. And that's the church we're looking at in Sardis. That's what's going on in Sardis. And so Jesus writes this letter to them. And it's not a nice letter. Jesus basically looks at them and says, we'll see it in just a moment. He goes, "This, this is a bad church. Now here's the interesting thing. Jesus doesn't mention that there's any heresy in this church. So they're not facing false teaching, apparently. He doesn't mention persecution in this church, so there does not appear to be any suffering. 
What's happened in this church is this church has become its own worst enemy. No one seems to care. They seem to be indifferent. They're spiritually dead. And so, let's look at this church. Let's look at this church 2,000 years ago, but let's learn from it because this church represents many churches and we want to learn and apply it to us in our city. What would Jesus say to a dying church? Chapter 3, verse 1 opens up. You can take notes if you want to do this. We're going to see the condition of the church. The condition of the church. So Jesus begins this letter to the church in Sardis, exactly how he began every other letter to the other churches. Verse 1, the first part, let me read this to you. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write. That word write is a command, and it's written to, it says angel or messenger. So that's either a real angelic being, or it's written to the leadership of the church. And the word for church in Greek is ekklesia. We have gone over this, but it means an assembly of people. We're not writing like this is not a letter to a building. It's a letter to a people. This was the ecclesia in Sardis. We would be the Silverdale ecclesia, the gathering of saints in a building worshiping Jesus. Now Jesus continues in the second half of verse 1, and he's going to identify himself. He's going to introduce himself to the church, and he does this in every one of the letters Continuing verse 1, here's how he introduces himself. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, we've talked about this once again. Every single week, we see that Jesus introduces himself to every church in a different way. And he does this because he wants to introduce himself in light of what he's about to talk about. In other words, he wants to introduce himself and give an appropriate introduction to the needs of the specific congregation. And so the question might be this every time, or let's specific here, why might Jesus introduce himself as the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars? Why would he introduce himself this way to a dying church? Well, check this out. In the Bible, we know the number seven is the number of completion. Now, he said seven stars. Now, we've talked about this before. The seven stars represent the seven churches. But then he says, seven spirits of God. He says, he holds the seven spirits of God. What's that about? What is Jesus trying to convey to them? Well, he's trying to convey to them and to us that he holds the complete works of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important for this dead and dying church because he wants these guys to know that he has all the power. Evidently, they had come to the conclusion that they are self-sufficient. They think they do not need God the Spirit anymore. And they had come to that conclusion, and they can do it all on their own. And so Jesus is reminding them nothing supernatural happens without him. Now, it's easy to come to the conclusion that you can do things on your own. It's easy as an individual. It's easy as a church. Now, we wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't sit there and say, God, the Spirit, I don't need you. We would would, would never say that, would we? What we would do is act in such a way that we think we are self-sufficient and do things how I want and 
however I see fit. So Jesus reminds them, you're not going to accomplish anything supernaturally without him. Oh, we might be able to gather a lot of people. We might be able to sing a lot of songs. I might can convince a lot of people to take a lot of notes. We might even get you to like our social media post. But without God the Spirit, nothing supernatural will ever happen. Without God the Spirit, no one is going to be convicted of sin. Without God the Spirit, no one is getting saved. Jesus wants to remind them of that, and he wants to remind you of that and me of that. And I say, thank you, Jesus. I need the reminder. Now he continues. He's going to get into what he has to say. And you have the first four words. Verse, well, no, not first. The, the, the next four words. Here's what he says. I know your works. Once again, Jesus says that in every letter. He reminds them and us there's nothing that escapes his vision. He knows every detail about the churches under his care. He continues. Here we go. Here's the accusation. Here's, the, here's, here's what he got to tell them. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Notice Jesus has nothing encouraging to say to this church. He does not sugarcoat anything. He looks at them and he says, you guys, you're dead. But notice there's an interesting word in there. Reputation. They got a reputation. That word tells us a lot, church. What is a reputation? What is a reputation? I looked it up. A reputation is the widespread belief that someone or something has a particular habit or characteristic. Okay, now apply that to this church. We're told here that this church in Sardis had the widespread belief of being what? Alive. That's their reputation, okay? So in other words, that church was the popular place to go. That was the place to be. That place has what you might call notoriety, right? Evidently, word had gotten out, and when word had gotten out, everybody thought the church was alive. That is their reputation. And I don't know how they came to have that reputation. Maybe the music was awesome. Maybe the preacher was entertaining. Maybe the worship experience was Tremendous. Maybe they had 5,000 five-star reviews on Google Review. But Jesus looks at that and says, hey, Google Review don't mean nothing. Don't mean God the Spirit moving. Church attendance without God the Spirit really means nothing. Your social media presence doesn't mean anything without God the Spirit. Jesus say, when I look at you, all I see is a dead church. I don't know. All right, well, I don't know. I, you want to argue with Jesus? You say, hey, like, hey Jesus, Jesus, oh, settle Hold on, Jesus. Look at our building. It's pretty cool, right? Look at the experience people have. Look at all the great things we are doing. Did you count that, Jesus? Did you look at that? And Jesus says, yeah, I did. I saw all of that. And guess what? The conclusion is, you dead. You're dead. And hey, listen, I'm going to call myself out, and you can think about this too. What? It's easy to go through the external Christian kind of routines, right? It's easy to get there. 
Maybe you've been around long enough and you know, you know how to do it. The truth is it's exceedingly easy to become a professional Christian. You can do it. I can do it. I've done it, right? All you got to do is say the right things at the right time, do the right things at the right time. It's easy. And Jesus says, hey, you guys are dead. You got a reputation. I understand that. You got some notoriety of being alive. And Jesus says, you're dead. Okay, Jesus, I hear you. That's hard to hear, but I hear you. What's the solution? Jesus is going to tell them. Next, we're going to see the cure for the church. Here's the cure. First two words. I love them. I love them. I love them. Two words. He says, wake up. That's strong. That's command. The implication is that they are walking around in a sleepy stupor. Jesus is like, come on. Open your eyes. See what is going on. Come back. Church, come back to reality. You're in a dream world. I'm telling you, some Christians, some churches operate in a dream world. Jesus is telling them things are not nearly as good as you think they are. Our people see on the outside as kind of like, I don't know, Instagram, right? Filters. Filters can make anything look good. We can do it, man. We can do it, man. Correct lighting, correct filters, anything looks awesome. They don't have it named on Instagram filters, but there is. I don't know. There's a, there's a church filter. I don't know, man. You put that thing, you know, it goes up. But Jesus says things are not nearly as good as they look. Wake up. Call it like it is. Come to reality. You must be alerted to the seriousness of the situation. The house is on fire, and you walking around like nothing is wrong. Wake up, take action. Okay, it's easy to say. Hey, it's easy to say take action. What I want to know is, what does that mean? How can I take action? What exaction, what action do you want me to take? What's the next step? Well, here's the great thing about Jesus. He tells us exactly the next step. Look, wake up, he continues. Here's what you got to do. And strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. There's a lot going on there, but there's some interesting things we can pull out. Look, he says, I have not found your works complete. Now, that's, that's what's going on here. So we see their deeds, their works are not complete. They had not finished what they had begun. I'm going to finish. Now, I know this right now. You know that it's annoying to start a project and not finish it. I mean, mean, you know that. You know that. Man, you got, I don't know, man. You got, I've done it, man. You got guys out there, these D, what is it, DIY, do it yourself. I know guys, Daniel, is he here? He's a DIY, there he is. You do all sorts of stuff. Man, I don't do all sorts of stuff. I'll, t- I'll tell you this, maybe this happens to you. Maybe this happens to you. <laughs> it's annoying, but maybe it happens to you. You go over to a buddy's house, and you're walking around their house, and um, I don't know, you see a rocking chair. You go, that's a really cool rocking chair. How'd you get that rocking chair? And they'll say something like this, generally. I made that rocking chair. It's an easy rocking chair to make. You see, 10 years ago, a tree fell down, broke out my pocket knife and I whittled me that chair there's something 
And you're like, that's impressive. I can do something like that too. And so what do you do? What do you, I don't know what you do. What I do, what I have done, I'm like, I'm going to do, do a project myself. So I go to Home, to home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and I, and I got this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I buy, all, I buy all the materials, and I put them all in my car. I get to my house, and I stack them in my garage, and that's exactly where they stay, you know? But while they're in the garage, you can go around telling everybody about the DIY project that I'm doing. The reality is the only project I'm doing is collecting dust in my garage, that is not impressive. And that's this church. They started some stuff, but they're not finishing. Jesus says they left some things incomplete. All right. There's some principles, or at least one important principle, about the spiritual life that we can pull out here. Here it is. You cannot experience spiritual progress without spiritual diligence. If you start reading your Bible... You got to keep reading your Bible. You start attending church, you're going to keep on attending church. Man, I know guys, not going to name names, I know guys. I know guys who attend church maybe twice a month and they be patting themselves on the back and I'm like, what school in the world going to pat you on the back for making a 50? doesn't work that way. In other words, progress in the spiritual life either individually or as a family or as a church is not automatic. We must continue. We must complete and not get stagnant. And it led me to think about this, about myself. I know some Christians who define their spiritual life by what they're not doing, right? In other words... If you ask them, are you spiritual, they will say yes. And then if you ask them, how do you know that you're spiritual? And they'll say, because I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do that. But you see, spiritual growth is never accomplished because of what you're not doing. The Christian life is based on what are you completing. And people from time to time will say, well, I'm not doing anyone any harm. But the spiritual question is, are you doing anyone any good? That's the question. So what do we need to do? Jesus says in the text, he says, here's what you do. You do, you do this. Strengthen what remains. That's good news. That's good news. Jesus said, just start where you're at. You start where you're at. Strengthen what remains. That's the beautiful thing about God. He takes you where you're at. I don't know where all of you may be. But Jesus says, come on. Start where you're at. Strengthen what remains. He continues, verse 3. Check it out. He's going to give us more instruction. Remember then what you receive and heard. Check it out. Keep it and repent. Right? That's good. This is good. good. Go back to what you already know. The truth is, the reality is, most of us do not need new information. We just need to do something with the information we already possess. Jesus says, think back. Think back on what you already heard, what you already received, what you already know. In other words, go back to the basics. You don't need no new information. Just re-engage the old information. 
Remember what you have received and heard and then keep it and repent. Repent of what? Repent of not doing it. Come clean with God. Repent. You know, I was thinking about repentance. Repentance is a difficult thing. It's difficult. I think sometimes we have the tendency, instead of repenting, I don't know, we make an excuse. It's easy. It's a sanctified excuse, right? You are not repenting when you give excuses. You're not. I'm not. You say, God, yeah, I should have been doing those things. I should have been attending church. I should have been reading my Bible. I should have been praying. I get it. I get it. And then you give God a list of the reasons why you are not doing those things. There's this and this and this and this. And that's not repentance. That's not repentance. That's a sanctified excuse. Repenting is when you say, Lord, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was sin. I'm sorry. You don't play the blame game. Continuing verse 3, look. If you will not wake up, that means if you don't go back to the basics and repent, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour. That's the time you least expect it. I don't care what no book be telling you the day and the time. No, you're not going to know. I will come against you. And the you here is the whole church. If you don't wake up, if you don't repent, if you don't return, I'm going to be like a thief. I'm going to come when you least expect it. I'll get your attention. Right, church? That's serious. And Dylan is not really asking a very complicated thing here. Like Jesus isn't saying, hey, church, what you're going to do is get, get a committee together, form a plan, implement it, and do all these different things. No, no, Jesus says, you can actually do this right now. You need not make a committee. Well, how do you do it? How do you do it? You, you repent. You repent, and you start doing the things you already know to do. When can you do it? Right now. Like, I'm, I'm not even talking about in a moment at the end of this message, you can say, I'm going to start. No, no, I'm right, right now. You can do it. And Jesus says, and now he's going to shift and he's going to address another demographic in the church in Sardis. We're going to see in verse 4, the Christians in the church. <laughs> Check this out. Yet, all right, talking to Sardis, the dead church, who has a reputation for being alive, you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So we see here that there's a remnant of faithful Christians in this church. So what is true for the church in general is not true for everybody in the church. There's still some righteous people in that church. Now my question was, Why are we giving this information? Why is this information important? Here's why I think this information is important. He's already told us what to do, but I think he's giving us more instructions here. If you want to strengthen your Christian life, or if you want the church to be strengthened, if you want to go back to the basics, all you need to do is find people who are already where you want to be, right? Right? Like, for example, if I said, 
thought that I wanted to run a 5K. I do not, but let's say I did. I would find an individual or individuals who have already accomplished the task, and I would hang out with them, and I would ask them, how did they do it? And they would probably say, we didn't eat a lot of tacos, and I would say, I cannot do it. But think about this for us, for us, right? You say, I want to go back to the basics. I want to complete what I started. Well, you find someone who's done that. You find someone who is currently in the location that you would like to be, and then you hang out with them. You spend time with them. I'm going to say this. I've said it many times. I'm going to say this again, and I hope you take this home with you. It matters who you spend time with. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It has been paraphrased like this. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. It matters who you hang out with. If you're not doing the basics, locate an individual who is, spend some time with them. Verse 5, we're continuing. The one who conquers, that's Christians, will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. And so real quick, Jesus concludes this letter to the dying, dead church by giving them three promises. Three promises. It says here to the conqueror, but we know that is to the overcomer, to the Christian. Three quick promises to the believer, those who have repented and believed. Number one, he says, you will be clothed in white garments, meaning your sins will be forgiven. Not because you're good, because you're not. Because he's good. You'll, yeah, come on. You'll be adopted into the family of God, have access to the Father. Second promise, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. That is talking about, we could talk a lot about that. Bottom line, that's eternal security. Three, he says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. You know, Jesus done said this back in Matthew 10. He says, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you before my Father. And if you confess me, I will confess you before my Father. Jesus saying, if you ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you don't want anyone to know that you belong to me, I don't want anyone to know that I belong to you. But I want you to get a hold of that last part. I will confess his name, the believer's name, before my Father. Picture that, Christian. Picture that. God the Son introducing you to God the Father? Come on. To the overcomer, to the Christian. Verse 6, he ends always like this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That means listen up. Listen up. If you can hear, listen up, listen up. This is important. And that ends the fifth letter to this dead church in Sardis that everybody thought was alive. And so I've been doing this in every message. I think mostly I try. We need to be asking ourselves, if the Lord was to send me a letter or our church a letter, What letter might I receive? Might be this one for some, I don't know. Do you have a reputation for being alive, but you know you're spiritually dead? Jesus says, 
wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. Go back to the basics. Repent. Church, finish what you started. That's for me and us. Finish what we started. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.